0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Rochester, New York, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Rochester. Plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Rochester. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. This is your host, James Orr, and this is going to be a, I don't know, I'd say relatively short class, but also a relatively important class for folks that have not really experienced writing offers with, I don't know, real estate agents and lenders that may not... Do things the way you think they're going to do, um, especially in really hot markets, which we're not really in right now for most of the market. I think it's definitely cooled off a bunch, but these are some of the lessons we learned during the hot markets. Although I, I do think some of these lessons do apply in other times as well. The class is called Financing Tips When Writing an Offer to Buy a Rental. And so let's jump right into it because that's what I got going on here. So, writing offers. So, by the time you go to write an offer, you really want to have gotten at least, at minimum, a pre-approval letter from your lender. I think you don't get into the car of a real estate agent, or you don't drive to see a property without having gone through the financing part and knowing that your financing is locked up. I mean, what if you go there and you find a property that you love? And now you're like wondering, can I even get financing for this? So I think before you go out and you start looking at properties, you really do need to be in touch with a lender. You need to go through and get, at a minimum, a pre-approval. Ideally, you want to be as far through underwriting as possible. You know, it's not enough for a lender to say, you know, how much do you make? Oh, uh, you make you know, $200,000 a year. Okay. And uh, you know, what are your expenses? Oh, you know my expenses are about $5,000 a month. Okay. And they say, it sounds like you can qualify for basically anything you want. You don't want that. You don't want that to be the extent of your kind of pre-approval process because there are certain lenders, and this may not be your lender, but there are certain lenders out there that they will give a pre-approval letter to anyone that shows up. Like it doesn't really matter what they tell them; they will actually give you, you know, any type of pre-approval letter that you uh, that you want. And so it's it's not enough to get a pre-approval letter. Uh, and and if you're on the sell side realize that a pre-approval letter doesn't really mean that much from some lenders. Some lenders, it means everything. It means that, yeah, they've completely gone through underwriting and they're good to go. So you want at least at a minimum a pre-approval letter and ideally to be as far through underwriting as possible. Um, Some lenders have borrowers be completely through underwriting with a property to be determined. They will fully underwrite the borrower and the the kind of loan and make sure that the lender is good to go. And then the only thing you're waiting on in order to have the kind of like full loan application complete is an actual address of a property that you want to buy. Um, This, at least in theory, makes for stronger offers. And I think in a really, really hot market, this could make the difference when you're looking at, you know, six offers on a particular property and one person has been completely through underwriting. They're just waiting for the property. And the other five are all very, very similar in price and terms. And they have not, I think that can set you apart. It may not be what wins you the offer in a lot of cases, but I think it can be that one little thing that moves you over the edge in a lot of cases. Okay. So by the time you go looking to right to write an offer on a property, you'll want to have gotten a pre-approval letter that you can include with an offer. Um, and I think you should get your pre-approval letter with your maximum, even if you'd prefer to be lower. Even if you tell me, look, you know, James, I am not going to be spending more than $500,000 to buy a rental property, but I qualify up to 800,000. I think there's a compelling reason for you to get a letter, you know, your pre-approval letter from your lender with your maximum, even though you do not intend to ever go to your maximum. Why? Because sometimes things change. Sometimes you'll be out looking at properties, and you're, t- you're talking to your real estate agent. Your real estate agent says, "Hey, I know that you're really not interested in fourplexes, but this fourplex just came on the market, and it's actually a really good deal." And you're like, "Well, I was looking more at single family homes, and I was looking to you know do five hundred thousand dollars or whatever number you were you know on the single family home, but let's go look at the fourplex. Let's see what it is." And you go to the fourplex, you're like, actually, this is great. This is going to be a perfect rental property for me. And, uh, you know, it's $795 or, you know, it's $900 and you got to put $100,000 down. And you're like, you know, if you didn't have your letter with your max, and let's say this is on like a, you know, a Sunday morning and your lender's in church and your lender doesn't work on Sundays because that's their, that's their deal. And you can't get an updated letter from your lender, but you know that this property, this fourplex is going to go really quick and you're like wanting to make your offer and come across strong, get this thing tied up before other people kind of come in and do it, you know, you not having a letter with your max on it could lose you a deal. And I've seen it happen. So I think you should get a letter with your max, even if you prefer to go lower, even if you know, like you know, like you know that you're never going to go to your maximum. I think you get a letter with your maximum and you start there. Do not wait till the last minute. You don't want to wait and not have a pre-approval letter ready to go and then go look at this, you know, go look at properties on Sunday and then come across like the one you need and you know that they're going to have multiple offers that are all due by five o'clock and your lender is not available to get you your letter. So you need to be sure that you have this stuff lined up in advance. You can't wait to the last minute to do this. If I can stress that enough, you know, have this stuff done in advance, ideally before you even go look at properties um, because, I've seen this happen more often than I'd like to admit. You know, a lender will, you know, you're going to go out and look at properties after work with your real estate agent, but your lender doesn't work evenings, Um, especially local credit unions and banks where the lender like works banker's hours, but you really want an offer. And in, you know, in a really slow market, this probably isn't that big of a deal, right? Like what's the difference if, you know, the, the property has been sitting on the market, languishing on the market for 95 days and you come along and you want to make an offer. What's another day if you wait till the next day to get them their lender letter? You basically go and you make your offer on the property and you can tell them, look, I, you know, the lender is not available right now. I'll go ahead and make my, my lender letter on the next day and I'll go ahead and get that to you tomorrow. And you know, on a property that's been on the market for 95 days and it hasn't had any action, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. I think where this really comes into play is you have a super hot uh, market or a super hot property, even in a soft market that just hit the market and you know it's getting action. You know that there are people all wanting to do it. And Mike has a question. Is LLC needed to get insurance and begin negotiating? Also, how much is it to begin LC? Not sure what LC is. And so the question is, is an LLC needed to get insurance and begin negotiating? Well, in order for an LLC to buy a property, if you're buying in the name of an LLC, which we don't usually do if you're getting financing on the property, um, unless you're gonna go get a portfolio loan. But if you're gonna go make an offer in the name of an LLC, you need the LLC to exist in order to buy the property directly in the LLC. What some people will choose to do is they will choose to write the offer in their name and then they'll try to do like indoor signs on their contract and then try to transfer the contract to the LLC after they set it up. Now, you know this is intended to be that sort of uh, discussion. However, I, I will tell you that sophisticated sellers and sophisticated real estate agents that are representing their sellers sometimes will balk at the idea of an endor or signs on a contract. You know, even if you have a reasonable story, they will say, "Look, you know, I want to know who we're selling the property to." I don't want you to be able to assign it to someone else. The reason we're accepting your offer, especially if you've got multiple offers coming in, you know, you have, you have six offers on the table and you're trying to decide which one to go with. You know, part of what you're doing is you're trying to evaluate the particular buyer and the buyer comes in and says, end assigns. You're like, well, how do I know it's gonna be you that's trying to close in this property? And so even if you have end assigns on it and you're gonna try to assign the property to an LLC while you're under contract, I don't know, I don't think that's as good of a deal. Now, in a lot of cases, if you're going to buy properties, I think a lot, not every investor, but a lot of investors, they're going to buy properties and they're going to get loans in their own names. And they're going to probably need to buy that property in their name. Then, if they choose to, with the advice of an attorney, go ahead and you know, deed the property from their own personal name into an LLC for asset protection purposes. You, know, you want to discuss the pros and cons of that with your attorney and find out if you're willing to take on the risk of the loan possibly being called due because you know moving a property from your own personal name into an LLC does violate the due on sale clause, a due on transfer clause which you know you'll want to just discuss those pros and cons with your attorney and see if that's worthwhile for you for your asset protection reasons. You can get a portfolio loan in the name of an LLC and buy it that way. Um, that way the LLC is actually the one buying the property and you are signing for the loan. Um, to kind of guarantee it in most cases, you know, with those portfolio loans, but uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question, Mike, is an LLC needed to get insurance and begin negotiating? Yeah. I mean, I think you need to have the LLC exist in order to get insurance too. Um, and to begin negotiating. Yeah. If, if you're having the LLC be the one that purchased it, it helps to have the LLC done. Um, so maybe having an LLC done in advance makes sense to you. Um, but if you're trying to buy in your own name, I don't think you need the LLC at that point. You you can go talk to your attorney and get advice from your attorney as to the legality and asset protection reasons for doing that, but that's kind of my thing. And I don't know what PLLC is or LC is, so if you want to tell me what that is, you can share with me. Okay, so we talked about writing offers there, so let's talk about the pre approval letter. Important should be done before looking at properties. Get a pre approval letter from the lender and have them send it to your agent. So you can get a copy, but I would also have a copy sent to the agent. Uh, when you do make an offer, you will likely. Um, we usually ask the lender to adjust it to the exact offer price. Now, let's talk about pros and cons of that. Because I just said to you, you know, get a letter with your maximum on it. But then I just told you, usually we want the lender to adjust it to be the exact offer price. And so we usually, when we're about to make an offer, you know, your real estate agent should reach out to your lender and say, hey, look, we're about to write an offer on this property. You know, is, uh, is Mike good to go for getting his loan? And uh, the lender says, "Yeah, he's good to go." He says, "Hey, we're thinking about making an offer for you know whatever it is, 450." And uh, and I know he's qualified up to 700. Yes, yeah, said 450 is fine. I'll go ahead and send you an updated letter with 450 on it so that you could do that. Why do we want to have the exact offer price on a pre-approval, pre-qualification letter instead of that 800,000 that you're qualified for as the max? I think the the reason for putting an exact price on there is that you don't want to give up some of your negotiating room. You don't want them to know that you could qualify for more, especially if you're coming in light. You don't want them to know that, "Hey, look, you know, he could qualify for 800. Why is he coming in $25,000 late on this property?" You don't want to do that. You don't want to tip your hand and show them how strong you are. On the other hand, you want to show them that you're strong enough to get the deal done and it's not going to be an issue for you. So the the kind of like the uh, the argument to put your max on there is to show them that, "Hey, you're a super qualified buyer and this isn't going to be an issue." You don't, you're not going to have a problem qualifying for a $400,000 loan because you're qualified up to $800,000. But I like to use the exact price in most cases because I don't want to give up some of our negotiating room on the upside. Okay? So that's what you do. In some rare cases, if it's a lender that the real estate agent has worked with in the past a lot, some, some of the lenders will say, hey, look, this person is qualified up to 800000 If you're going to make offers with them and I'm not available, You have my permission to edit the Microsoft Word document that has their number as long as you don't exceed 800000 on this. So, you know, some lenders will say to the agent and some agents will be willing to do this because there's probably some liability there for the real estate agent to do this. But some of them will kind of like say, look, we work together. I know that you're not going to go above the 700. And they'll say, yeah, you can go ahead and adjust it um, as long as you don't exceed 700 on this particular buyer. And they'll allow them to just make the adjustment on the lender letter. You know, it's probably some liability there. Um, They may, may even get in trouble for doing that. But some lenders have told, at least me in the past, that you can do that. But I always get the lender to do it if I can. Um, so that's been what we do there. You know, sometimes they'll give you a letter with 800 and you ask them, can you lower it to that? And they'll say, yeah. And then you just go adjust the document and you lower it down. I don't know. Maybe you get in trouble for doing that. Not sure. Um, and then usually when you make your offer, you're going to include the offer via something like DocuSign or whatever you use in your particular marketplace. And typically, what I like to do is on the very first page of the offer packet, you want to send over that pre-approval letter so that it is front and center and shows you that you're dealing with someone who's qualified and understands the importance of being qualified when you make your offer. You want to start with your best foot forward. And I think putting that pre-approval letter there makes the difference. Okay? So, short class, in conclusion... There are some financing related things you should do before going to look at a property. Number one, get qualified with a lender. And number two, get that pre-approval letter so that you have it with you and you can submit it. You don't want to wait to the last minute and find yourself with the property that you want in a tight time situation where you cannot get a hold of your lender because they're on a plane, they're at their kid's soccer game, who knows what, and you're trying to move fast and hit a deadline for some reason. Not all lenders work real estate agent slash broker hours. Weekends and evenings. Some of them, especially the more banker types, tend to work those sort of like nine to five ish hours, and it's really hard to get get with them after hours. So, you want to take care of this stuff in advance. This will give you the highest odds of success should you find an amazing deal when you're out looking at properties. That's it. Okay. So, that's it. Mike, did you have any other questions? Because you're the only one on live. Otherwise, we're going to end the call right now. Very short class today. I'll give you a couple seconds. Going once. Nope. So Mike says, thanks, you answered it. Didn't know about the portfolio loans. Yeah. So to address that, you can get a portfolio loan in the name of an LLC. Most of the time when you're buying with traditional conventional financing, FHA financing, VA financing, USDA financing, all of those, you're not going to be able to buy in the name of an LLC. You'll need to buy in your own personal name for that. You'll need to personally guarantee it. You can buy in these portfolio loans from the from the lenders in the name of an LLC. I've got one right now with a, with a client of mine, a friend of mine, um, and we actually have a partnership together where we are part owners in this LLC, but there's still a personal guarantor on that loan. So even though we bought it in the name of an LLC, we are still personally guaranteeing that particular loan. So you want to go do that. Um, one of my POV on HELOC also. Yeah, I'm not sure what the reference is for that, but... Um, point of view on HELOCs. Yeah, I mean, HELOCs are just a tool. It's like another type of financing for accessing equity, especially in a market where you know, the prices have gone up a lot and you have a really good underlying first mortgage on the property. Sometimes we don't want to do a refinance on that mortgage because the mortgage is so amazing. You know, it's a 3% mortgage on a property and now interest rates are at 7%. So you'd rather not tap and do a, you know, a rate and term refi or a cash out refi on that really amazing first mortgage on that. You can go and access some of your equity via a home equity line of credit. Um, Although I've heard that they're harder to get now um you know i've not tried to get any recently but i had a client i had lunch with this must have been over the weekend it must have been on saturday and uh, he was telling me he was able to get a uh, home equity line of credit but it was much more difficult to do so uh not a lot of people offering them and the terms of them were not the most amazing ones so hopefully that helps you yeah it's getting into flipping houses so this information is very useful yeah if you're if you're going to go and buy a house and flip it and you're going to get a hard money loan. I think most hard money lenders would allow you to buy an LLC as well. So that's going to be also different than what I've been talking about. Most of the time, uh, if you're going to get any of these traditional, you know, USDA, VA, FHA, conventional financing, uh, those are going to be buying in your own name. You could buy an LLC if you're going to do flipping. And if you're going to do flipping, I, you know, I'm not an attorney. I'm not giving you legal advice. But I, if I were you, I would form LLCs for the flips. Right. If you're going to go do that, it might not be the worst thing in the world for you to have these flips in LLCs, and you know, talk to your attorney about structuring that. But I don't think that's unreasonable. All right. Hopefully that helps you. This has been James Orr. Have a great day, everybody. Bye bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates, cash flow on rental properties in Rochester is harder than ever. Book a call with the real estate financial planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rental. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in Rochester that wants to help our real estate investor listeners, consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast. We'd love to add more value to our listeners by having you assist our investors buy, sell, and finance their real estate investments. See the show notes to schedule a call to discuss collaboration opportunities.